This is the EWN Podcast Network. Everybody wants to win. It's how we define success in life. Michelle Nagel explores resilience, teaches you happiness hacks, and provides tools for building positive relationships, all of which are essential for winning at the game of life. Join us to learn how to roar. Hello, this is Michelle Nagel with Roar to Win. Today we have as our guest, Dr. Elspeth Muth. Did I say that right? <laughs> Moit, it's totally fine. Okay. Moit, okay. She has assisted thousands of women and men in tapping into their creative spark to create deeper fulfillment in their lives and relationships. She's featured on Showtime's documentary series, Sexual Healing, and the Emmy award-winning NBC show, Starting Over, best-selling author of Sexual Enlightenment, endorsed by world-renowned spiritual pioneer, Dr. Michael Beckwith, and the co-founder of Tantra Nova Institute in Chicago. She's coached billionaires, innovators, and power couples all over the world, shared her intimacy secrets at a global YPO, Young Presidents Organization Conference in the city of Paris, and got nominated as a change maker at the White House, sponsored uh, 2016 United States of Women Summit in Washington, D.C. She's presented at premier retreat locations such as Crippa. I can't even pronounce it, Kripalu Center for Yoga and Health and Esalen Institute. So thank you, Dr. Elspeth, for joining us. I'm really excited to talk to you because I've just kind of watched you from afar and admired you greatly. So um, I'm really excited to get to know a little bit more about what it is that you do and the, the gift that you provide to the world. So how did you come to share the creative spark for greater resourcefulness message. Mm -hmm. Thank you first really for inviting me and having me on and uh, I'm thrilled about being with you today and how I came up with this um, you know it really started out of a big shift I went through in my own life. I um, you know grew up in Germany and came to the United States when I was in my late 20s to do postgraduate work in music. Then I moved on to getting my doctorate in education and then went into management consulting. And while I had gotten really good at the consulting, I was miserable in relationship. Ah. So that was the, you know, the point, the moment when I arrived at acknowledging that I had this pattern of uh, attracting an available man mm-hmm. and while that was you know exciting at times Michelle most of the time I was alone uh-huh. and I came to a place where I felt really despaired that I never would have you know lasting intimacy in my life and that really you know had me get resolved and from there I decided to delve deeply into the practice of meditation, and then Tantra. And through the work, what opened up for me was that I uncovered, discovered that I had held uh, distrust towards men. Now, I didn't know about that. It was like, um, you know, if you had known me 20 years ago, you probably would have said, oh, what a charming woman. 
but underneath, and I reeled them in, and you know, I was pretty good at this. Uh -huh. But it didn't yield the result that I ultimately was looking for, and there was a great deal of suffering. And by clearing that distrust, yeah, did you want to ask? Oh, me? no, go ahead. By clearing that distrust that was deeply in what we call, uh, you know, seated on the cellular level. So it was not accessible through my conscious mind. So therapy that I did in my 30s around a particular experience when I was 18 years old, first boyfriend, first love, first intercourse, and was very, very painful. I had to go to the gynecologist, and from there, um, the bill went home to my house. My dad opened it in all health workers. Uh -huh. And that all came up in that healing work that I started 20 years ago around myself because I wanted to bring lasting intimacy into my life. I didn't want to give up. And what I tapped into there was, although, as I said earlier, I had done therapy around this in my 30s, and um, while that was helpful, because I, there was someone who was listening to me who was taking me seriously, and you know I could share my emotions, my experience, and so I thought it was all complete. Uh -huh. However, what was there on the cellular level, I was not able to access that because if, you know, in the conscious mind, it doesn't go to that level. And so by having that clearing experience and healing, what opened up for me was like a recalibration that really included my sexual, emotional, and consciousness, spiritual self. Uh -huh. Out of that clearing, you know, you can think of it like it's an alignment of mm -hmm. the self yes. and I like to call it like returning to my original self uh-huh you know okay. when we come yes. into this world we are flowing we are in tune with ourselves and then we grow up and all these interruptions happen you know from the time we are an infant to childhood to adolescence and so what also opened up is that I connected more fully with this creative life force energy that courses through us, you know, from the moment we are conceived to the moment we leave this planet. However, it often gets distorted through our early sexual experiences and early could be anywhere from infancy to adolescence or even young adulthood. Um, or even the way we were taught you know like don't go there don't go to your sexual energy don't touch yourself um it's sinful it's bad it's you know wait until you're married and then whose energy is it then right all this has been mine and by uncovering by clearing that life force energy that is creative and sexual in nature we have a big much a big uh, a much bigger access <laughs> to that resource uh -huh. of, you know because this is what we want to talk about here that resource that is within us already however if it's constricted it's very difficult to access it because it's not in its flow 
uh, and some women are actually they may not have had any you know experiences that debilitated them in sexual terms or intimate terms when they were young but we live in a culture that has these notions that actually have an imprint on us so it's like there for all of us it may just be to various extents and so what opened up for me in my own healing and clearing was that connection to that resource to that creative life-giving energy and then channeling it through my whole being all the way up into my spiritual being this is where we speak about the integration of the sexual with the spiritual and they are like yin and yang they complement each other you know we are an earthly being and we are a spiritual being Right. And that is how we live on this planet. So being integrated and balanced between our earthly and heavenly being, that is really what this is about, so that we can really draw on that, what is already within us, and then potentially turbocharge it. Yeah, that sounds really amazing. That's a very amazing story. Thank you for sharing it. May I ask, um, did you discover in your deeper healing that the distrust that you had went beyond when you were 18 years old, that it had happened before that? Was it? That's a great question. You know, it's like, you know, so much is related to our first relationship with a masculine, yes. which is usually our dad. And the dad may be present or not present. Right. Even if the dad is not present. It's like the missing masculine. Mm -hmm. For me, it was my dad was present. I'm one of 10 kids. Um, however, there was how I experienced, I mean, it took me decades to acknowledge that I was deeply in love with my dad when I was a little girl uh -huh. because I had lived my life out of resistance to him. Okay. You know, like because I didn't feel being accepted, acknowledged, supported the way I wanted to be supported. And so I just interpreted that as like, he just doesn't love me as much as the other kids. Uh -huh. And once I tapped into that sense, allowed myself to feel that feeling in my heart of how much I felt drawn to him and how, I much, how much I was yearning for his, this connection with him that uh -huh. was so unavailable. Uh -huh. And so for me... What I construed when I was a little girl was like that love and unavailability are hooked. Ah. Now, this is not a conscious process. No, of course it's not. It's experiential. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so that really accompanied me throughout my life. And no wonder that I attracted unavailability with men in my life. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's... Yeah. And then that was bolstered in that experience of that first love with my boyfriend, um, where I felt uh, so alone and so not understood, you know, by my dad. He was just like outraged by what happened. And, and so at that moment, I made a decision Again, these decisions are not conscious decisions, deliberate decisions. It's like 
a nanosecond reaction, which was for me, men are never really there for you when you need them. Right. It's a survival tactic. Your brain was trying to keep you safe, and so you learned that they were not available to you. Yeah. And so, of course, I would be foolish if I trusted. Of course, yes. You know? And so, of so, course, you would be drawn to those men who were not available for you. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, prophecy. yes, yes. And what you pointed out, if that, you know, had an earlier uh, origin, yes, of course, in my relationship with my dad, that was like the foundation for yes. it. It was just further reinforced as the 18-year-old. Um, and so, and also the boyfriend left, you know, shortly after. So I was really, I had enough evidence for my interpretation, my decision. Yes. And, and that was living on the cellular level, we call it a residual memory. And that was accessed through my healing practices in, through the tantric practice, where we really do healing on the sexual, emotional, and spiritual levels. And, um, you know, it was such an opening because, of course, when that gets cleared, the first thing that was available was trusting myself. Uh -huh. Because often with these kinds of experiences, it's like, why did you let this happen? What did you do wrong? You know, if I just had intervened, you know, so just to clear that out and just, oh, I can trust myself, can trust my inner self now once that is cleared. And then trusting men in general. And then six months later, my beloved husband came into my life, okay. which I totally attribute to that clearing, that recalibration that I uh, mentioned earlier and was and is, you know, the man that uh, is right for me. But mm -hmm. I couldn't really tune with his frequency, given that my frequency was looking for unavailability. Oh yes, yes. That would oh that would have been a tragedy had you missed that one because oh. just seeing the two of you together has always just made me have such hope that there is lovely relationships available for people because just the two of you together are just make my heart sing. It's just I love watching you. <laughs> Thank you, Michelle. And you know, I always say if it's possible for me, if I can do it, you can do it. Yes. Yeah, You know, it's like that is really, I'm seeing this in an encouraging way because I was, as I said, I was so despaired. Now I want to bring it back to, um, you know, that, that you asked me how I came up with that whole message of mm -hmm. that resourcing and that inner spark that we can access. Shortly after my opening and clearing and that was, you know, 20 years ago, uh, I got very clear that I wanted to leave management consulting and I left the consulting firm so that I could dedicate myself to bringing that opportunity, that healing possibility to women and then through my work with Freddie, to men, to couples, really creating new possibility you know, what could be available and not only available, but bringing forward practices and principles that assist women in creating this in their life. 
yeah, I know that this is going to be a real big hit with our audience because it's it's difficult. I, I hear every day how difficult it is to find a man who's trustworthy or has integrity or, um, but it's not all about them, is it? Absolutely not. Because he is like, what I just want to say is that when I was dating these unavailable men, I was wondering, you know, how come? That, and I was working of, on them. You know, I was awful, actually, so that they would leave their wife or, you know, what they were about. Sometimes it was work they was, were married to. I didn't want to damage the wife or the relationship. That was not my intent. But, you know, I, it was like this need I was following to really get him fully, which, of course, could never be satisfied. Right. Because what was not satisfied within me was my own wholeness. I was looking for love outside. And as long as I'm looking for love outside, I'm needy. I'm needing. So the shift that occurred was like that I got that I am love already. And this is not an intellectual construct. We all can see that, you know, intellectually. Uh -huh, yes. The shift. The transformation doesn't happen there. It's an experience that shifts that is heart-centered and emotion-centered. And so coming from love, being love, then I invite, of course, this man who has the same knowingness, the same experience within him. He doesn't come to me because he needs me. No, we are ready then to share love, which is then a co-creation. Right. Yeah, that's, that's pretty beautiful. So when you, uh, what do you mean when you speak about tapping into your creative spark? And how is that connected with healing oneself? Yes. So uh, I love this. <laughs> so um, here is what I said earlier, that particularly women are often either disconnected or not fully connected to their creative spark. And that, again, has to do with the culture we grow up in. And I'm not just talking about the American culture. I'm talking about the global culture. Mm -hmm. So if we look at feminine sexual energy, which is creative, um, this is an energy that has been vilified for millennia. Mm -hmm. You know, unlike males, you know, like male prowess and playboys and you know harems has been lauded yes. over the millennia yes very different and when a woman expresses herself sexually freely she may be called a whore or a slut or inappropriate mm -hmm. you know so it's all like there is like a lid put on that energy before we even can decide how we want to engage with that energy uh-huh and so then it's really about clearing that cultural imprint and then our personal individual his story and history so that this energy is available to us fully. Now, the good news is that this energy is already there. It emanates from the base of the spine and moves up in a serpentine way or like a DNA shape up to the top of the head and then back down again. It does this all day long, all night long, all on its own. Okay. It's just like blood flow. 
-hmm. You know, we don't turn our blood flow on in the morning, like, you know, put the black right. into the wall or so. Put my mascara on, I'll start my blood too. <laughs> <laughs> right. And so just like the arteries and the veins are the grid for the blood flow, the nervous system is the grid for the energy flow. And so we want to become more aware of that flow of energy that shows up in three different ways in the human being. The first way how that energy shows up is like where we can, you know, sense it, where we can observe it, where we can watch it, is in our physical body. Mm -hmm. uh, and we then call it a sensation. You know, I have a knot in my stomach. Yes. There's a contraction, a muscular contraction. It could be a, a contraction of the an organ. Um, or I feel hot, I feel cold. These are sensations that are based in physiological, you know, reactions. Mm -hmm. The second way how human energy, life force energy shows up is in emotions. Okay. You know, we know that different emotions have different frequency, like, you know, love is uh, said to vibrate at a level of 500 hertz, unlike hate vibrates at a level of a hundred hertz, mm -hmm. you know, and there are juxtaposed uh, emotions like joy and uh, fury and, you know, we could go on and on. Yes. So, and when we start seeing that our emotions are generated within us, they don't come from the outside. Nobody can cause my anger. Yes. Um, now, I'm not saying that there may be a situation that triggers me into anger, but the cause of it is really within, which is actually good news. Mm -hmm. Because I cannot change another one. I cannot change Freddy. He can only do this himself. However, I can change how I react to my emotions, how I react to anger. So for many, many years, I didn't know about that, and I was totally... A victim to my emotions in both on the great side like falling in love being infatuated it just happened to me uh -huh. as you know also disappointment anger resentment it's just like it has me and then I'm just off to the races yes and once we learn to actually tune with our emotions where there is a way of tuning with our breath so that we get a little distance from the emotion. That doesn't mean that we don't feel it. However, we don't get thrown into it. Now that takes some practice and in a moment we can do a little practice actually for everybody to you know, get a sense of what I mean by that. So each of you who is listening can tune within yourself the third way of emotion show um, of life force energy showing up in our being is through our thoughts. Mm -hmm. So, like thoughts have frequency. You know, if I'm uh, living with the thought, the interpretation, the repetitive conversation of that I'm not good enough, or I can't do it, or I will never fight my beloved or that just too much has happened in my life. How can I ever overcome that? That, of course, colors the way I feel. You know, make 
makes me a little heavier or just not seeing possibility, then my body reacts in a certain way. It may clog up my heart and not only emotionally speaking, but then also physically speaking. Yes. Um, unlike, you know, when I say, okay, I don't know how to get to bringing that beloved into my life or bringing this business opportunity into my life. However, I hold it, it will happen. Mm -hmm. And I'm resolved, you know, that there is resolve, there is confidence. <clears throat> and so our thoughts affect our emotions and our sensations. So we want to become more the watcher of that in just instead of just being thrown into it. Yes, it's the difference between being conscious and unconscious in our lives. So right. um, we're, right. we need to take a small break. And this is Michelle Nagel at Roar to Win. We have as our guest today, Dr. Elspeth. And <laughs> I'm not even going to try to pronounce your last name again. Would you please say it for us? Yeah, Moit. It's spelled like, <clears throat> phonetically spelled M-O-I-T. Okay, thank you very much. And we will be back in just a moment. Do you feel like you're drowning in administrivia? Do you have a podcast you would like transcribed to repurpose as a blog or even a best-selling book? Rhonda's Virtual Office is the answer to the freedom you crave so you can get busy doing what you love. Let Rhonda's Virtual Office give you the relief you need. Visit rondasvirtualoffice.com and get some peace of mind today. Rhonda's Virtual Office is the go-to transcription service for EWN Podcast Network. Welcome back. This is Michelle Nagel at Roar to Win. Our guest today is Dr. Elspeth Moit, who has assisted thousands of men and women into tapping their creative spark to create deeper fulfillment in their lives and relationships. And who cannot use that? So you talk about um, how, can, how can I increase my potential by tapping into that creative spark that I have? Okay, great. So what about if we do a little practice to give a first-hand experience of what I mean by tapping into that center where our life force energy emanates from? Because once we can locate it, we can breathe into it and breathe up uh, that energy or supporting that flow that is already there. Okay. Would that be okay? That would be wonderful. Okay, beautiful. So um, if everybody just wants to sit up for a moment so that your torso is aligned and upright, it's easier for energy to move through you. And if you wish, close your eyes and exhale all air when you are ready. Then take a deep breath in, filling your belly, actually following the breath, coming down through the nose into your lungs, all the way down into the uh, diaphragm, which actually extends your belly like a big balloon. And on the exhalation, follow with your inner eye and focus how the air moves up and out of your lungs and out of your nostrils. 
A deep breath in all the way through the nose, all the way down into the belly. If you wish to put a hand on the belly, feel how the belly extends into your hand. And on the exhalation, follow the breath coming back up and out of your nose. And just stay with this for a couple more breaths, bringing your total attention to following the breath moving through you into the belly and then all the way back up. And while you continue breathing in and out, if you could just squeeze your pelvic floor muscles for a few times. So squeeze your pelvic floor muscles as if you were holding back the urination and then release the squeeze. Again, a deep breath in, squeeze the muscle. And on the exhalation, let it go. And one more time, a deep breath into the belly while you squeeze that muscle. And then let the breath go, let the squeeze go. And continue breathing in your own rhythm, noticing the rising of your belly on the inhale and the falling of your belly on the exhale. And while you continue breathing, take a moment and notice how you're feeling right now, how your body is feeling, how that area feels that you just were squeezing and releasing. And what you feel doesn't have to be a huge change. It may be subtle for some. For others, it may be, you know, you feel really connected connected in what we call your yoni center, which is the sacred space of the woman, your sexual center. Whatever is there, just notice without expectation. Also notice with the breath, if there may be a little bit more flow throughout your torso. And then slowly come back by opening your eyes and Michelle, would you be open just sharing a little bit what's there for you right now, how you feel, what you noticed? Um, yes, I'd love to. That was very interesting. I do a lot of um, deep breathing work with the work that I do with HeartMath. So that was um, the first thing that I noticed when I was doing the deep breathing is, oh, somewhere today I stopped breathing. I've been doing shallow breathing. So it was good to be brought into um, breathing deeper. But um, I normally stop, I guess, at, at the level of my belly. I don't go down into the pelvic floor. And having me do those, you know, the, the tightening of the muscles and the relaxing of the muscles, I think today that's the first time I've been aware that those muscles are even there, which um, I think is really important to realize that apparently I'm not real conscious of my body. And that was a good insight for me to, to realize that, you know, I, I do have other parts of my body besides my, my torso. So that was a good thing. And I, I enjoy being able to breathe again. I feel much lighter and um, more grounded. Thank you. Thank you. Let's <laughs> build a little further on what you shared about that, that you can be even connected to that part of yourself, including the breath can reach down there. 
Yes. You know, so um, energy, energy flow, human energy and breath go hand in hand. Mm -hmm. If we don't breathe, we die. I mean, it's rather obvious. Right. So if they go together in dying, they must go together when we are alive. And that is what we put to use here. And what we want to breathe into is really our whole being. Of course, I also can breathe into my toe. That yes. doesn't mean that the air goes down there. Mm -hmm. But when we talk about energetic breath, it's the energy that is connected with the breath where we can guide with our conscious mind and focus, can imagine, visualize, sending the energetic breath into the toe or into the yoni, the sacred space that we as women have. Imagine if each of us were introduced to our sacral center as a sacred space when we were teenagers. How mm -hmm. different may the trajectory of our sexual life Oh, absolutely. Uh, it, that was, sacred was not really a word that was ever used when, when that area of my person was described. So, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's really extremely important. And I, um, I believe that I, I really enjoyed the reminder to do that energetic breath into the body. I think there are so many things going on in our lives all the time that we're so busy concentrating on you know, thinking, and maybe we make it down into concentrating on, on our heart and working with our heart, but we are much more than that. We are fingertips and toenails, and we, it's important to get that energetic breath throughout the entire body. So thank you for me for that reminder. I appreciate that. Um, Can I just say what the relevance is now for that whole resourcing yes. ourselves, the spark, that uh -huh. is within us, because this is the seed, the pelvic floor is the seed of our life force energy that is sexual and creative in nature. So by you tapping into that space and squeezing and releasing, we actually ac activate that energy further. We do not generate life force. It's already there. Right. However, we can activate it or embellish it. And so then once we tap into that, like the, pelvic floor muscle contraction and release is a great way of bringing aliveness to that part because when we squeeze and release um, there is greater blood flow the capillaries open and where there's ever more blood flow there's more aliveness and where there's ever more aliveness there is more pleasure right. because that's another ingredient of that energy yes and that's a good point for that um, I have had cancer so you know, all of those organs have been removed. And that's, I think something in my brain was removed too at the same time, because it's, it's like, uh, when I was a child, I was taught that the only, the only reason that I was a woman was to raise children and take care of my husband. And obviously, I can't be childbearing any longer. Uh, at my age, I wouldn't want to either. But, um, but I think we get disconnected from that part of our body for whatever reason. For, so for me, I think the disconnect happened when the surgery happened at the same time. It's like that part of my body didn't exist anymore. And I appreciate very much just this moment of awareness that you have given me that it's still there. The um, creative energy hasn't gone just because the organs are gone, which is, uh, for me, that's an aha. So thank you. <laughs> yes. Yes, exactly. And I think there are 
a number of women who may have gone through gynecological, you know, surgery or something, the shift of that kind, and just to know that energy is not depending on organs. Mm-hmm. Like what we also know, like when an amputee, you know, like let's say the, uh, the arm is amputated, that doesn't mean that the nervous system cannot actually access the senses that were, used to be there, but very vividly in the moment of the fingers or the fingertips. Yeah, they call yeah. that phantom. Yes, and it's because it has something to do with the nervous system right. that this has in the memory of that and so that is actually really good news that you can just oh what opened up is so beautifully i'm so delighted michelle <laughs> you know that you can more deeply connect to your womb as an energetic force as an energetic being beingness you mm-hmm. know and um coming back to aliveness and and then connecting, you know what I said about earlier, the integration, reintegration. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's like, because what I got from what you shared was like that you're connected in your conscious self, in your heart self. You know, you probably have done quite a bit of work around that. Yes. And perhaps now the opportunity to bring it all down in terms of consciousness, you know, the connection so that you and everyone who is hearing that you can connect more deeply with your life force, with the source, because once we access it, like the PC muscle practice, the pelvic floor muscle practice, that is like many women may be familiar through the Kegel exercises. Yes. However, what's different with the practice we just did, we coordinated it with the breath. Mm -hmm. Because when I, most uh, Kegel exercises are being taught as a mechanical squeezing and releasing, which is great. However, what it does is then it keeps the energy in that area, in that center, unless I breathe. I said earlier, energy can only move with the breath. Yeah. So when you do the Kegel, it it, uh, closes it off actually and squeezes it tight. Right. Allowing it to flow back again with the breath. Exactly. And then we have it flow through our whole being up into my heart. I can connect my yoni energy, my sexual energy with my heart energy Mm -hmm. and imbue my heart center, my emotions with that wonderful life-giving, luscious, creative energy. And then vice versa, I can breathe down from my heart into my yoni, into my sexual energy center. and imbue my sexual self with my love yes you know Mm -hmm. and so they can start talking with each other and particularly for women uh, this is important the heart to sexual center connection because most women when we start feeling when we want to connect with another we start feeling it in our heart yes and it doesn't matter if we are in a heterosexual relationship or a same-sex relationship, or anything in between. Unlike males or people who are more uh, grounded in their masculine, Mm -hmm. most of them start feeling, when they want to connect, they start feeling it in their sexual center. Yes. So for men, it's bringing up the energy into their heart center. For us women, 
it's about bringing our love energy into our yoni center, into our sacred space. And then, of course, they circulate. You know, they talk to each other. Then we can take it up all the way into the third eye. I mean, it is just beautiful. And then there's a particular self-love practice where I can channel my aroused energy from my sacred space all the way up into my consciousness self, into my third eye center and back down again for expanded self-pleasuring. And from there, I can use that aroused energy and channel it into my pursuits in life. You know, be this, I want to create a new place to live, or be it into my business or into my relationships, uh, because it's life force energy. So just like any, just like we harnessed electrical energy, you know, 200 years ago, we hadn't harnessed electrical energy, Mm -hmm. you know, but how we harness lightning. And now we can, you know, generate our computers and our houses, heat up our houses with that wonderful harnessed energy. Human energy is in principle not any different in terms of harnessing. So that we call it then, we co-create consciously with that energy. So you're not you're saying that it's not uh, most people just think of the sexual energy as being something that is um, very body based and it has to do we call it sex obviously so it has to do with that but you're saying that that energy is creative in all forms and you can turn it to whatever pursuit you're interested in is that correct Exactly, exactly. We also have worked with couples who have tried to get pregnant, uh-huh. you know, with fertility processes and doing our work assisted them in open, it's often for the woman to open something up mm-hmm. that things can start flowing. Now, I'm not saying that this replaces fertility treatment, uh-huh. however, it enhances it. So we talk about these different forms of creation in terms of that life force creative sexual energy. So the one we are most familiar with is like procreation, mm-hmm. you know, yes. for millennia. Right. And it's wonderful. Imagine to bring forth new life. It is miraculous. Mm-hmm. The next level uh, is uh, that we became more familiar with or that was more available. It started a hundred or 150 yeah, hundred years ago with like contraception uh-huh. for, for pleasure and for recreation, which is wonderful. It freed up women more, you know, to be in touch with their sexual in, uh, expression without always having to be so concerned about getting pregnant yeah. because that could, can be really a damper for the full pleasure exp- uh, expression. And the third level is co-creation, where we co-create with this energy for our own sake, and we can co-create with our beloved, because uh-huh. then we can circulate the energy between us for the sake of embellishing, of deepening the connection. Wonderful. Thank you very much. So. Um, how can I apply tapping into my resourcefulness to increase my physical well-being? Absolutely. 
just as you mentioned that energy can be used uh, in many ways or support the different aspects of our being and our life. So there's a very particular tradition which is called Taoism. It's uh, an East Asian um, practice, East Asian um, approach or tradition. And they focus very much uh, around using that energy and channeling it into various organs. What I do at times is like when I have a tight neck and I do my self-love practice where I channel my aroused beautiful energy um, into my neck so that my, that wonderful energy opens the neck. And given that it's pleasurable, it like imbues my shoulders and neck with that pleasurable sensation. It's a very visceral experience. Mm -hmm. And it's a further expansion of what we just did a little earlier when we were breathing in the practice. Now that requires cultivation. You know, it won't happen overnight. We right. always start out practicing with subtle energy because when we go to aroused energy, that it's such a great energy. It feels so good. Who wants to start, you know, focusing now? Let yeah. it just flow. And that's wonderful. And to bring it into my shoulders, I want to have that presence of moving the aroused energy so that it can really support the area. Sometimes I move it into my stomach when I have a tight stomach, which is usually my place where, you know, when something doesn't work, when I get angry, or that's the place where it manifests uh -huh. uh, physical level. So, um, and then of course I can move it into my emotions, you know, into my heart and dissipate anger or disappointment. It's a conscious act. Okay. You know, um, so yeah, that's total, totally available. So how can this help an entrepreneur? Oh. Now, here's the thing that the seed of our sexual center coincides or is next to, is neighboring the seed of where survival resides, where the material resides. We can also call it money, like whatever is associated energetically with money, with generation, generating our physical you know, being material being in this world. Mm -hmm. So it's the base center that is uh, seated around the base of the spine. And then the sexual creative center is right above that, around, located right behind the pubic bone. And they are three-dimensional. So it's not like a flat thing. It's like mm -hmm. that whole area has to do with the frequency of creating and of pleasure or feeling pleasurable. So if we like activate the pelvic floor through that squeeze release practice, we also activate the center of the connection with our, you know, the bringing forth the material world. Okay. And we all hold you notions of that, oh, I don't have enough, I'm not good enough, or I'm afraid of the future, that I won't have enough then. All of that is associated with the first center, which is called uh, the groundedness center or base center, and then the second 
chakra or second energy center. Mm -hmm. So given that they are so closely interrelated, is that when we, when we work with one, it affects the other, energetically speaking. Uh -huh. So if I hold constriction in my sexual center, most likely the base center is associated or affected. And um, so by opening up the first and second energy center, where then energy can flow more freely, we are enabled to release also these, you know, unuseful interpretations of that I don't have enough or <sighs> that I don't know what am I going to, how I'm going to make it in the future. The truth is that none of us knows. That's Nobody true. can predict the future. doesn't matter what strata you are on in societally. It, you can be the richest person. They have the same fears as someone who may not have any money. Yes. So this has nothing to do with what we have. This is an imprint that is part of our human condition and the possibility of clearing that. Because then the energy can flow and from there we can channel the energy into what we want to bring forth. Now, that doesn't replace taking effective action. But if I take action towards growing my business with the interpretation that lives residually on in the pelvic floor, so to speak, like I'm not good enough, I don't have enough, or I'm so afraid of the future, I don't know what's coming, ultimately fear of death, you know, so <laughs> dying. So that colors all the actions that I'm taking. I may have the greatest marketing plan if that is overlayered with that fear of making it. It's very difficult to produce the results. Sometimes women produce results in the outer world, but they are suffering internally. Yes, very often. So would you think that uh, this practice would also benefit improving relationships? Oh, that's a great question. So here the relationship, any relationships that I have in the outer world mm -hmm. stems from the relationship I have with my inner world. Right. So the, the first step is to really deepening, to deepen the connection with myself, the relationship with myself, opening up myself to that creative self that I am, to my heart self, to my consciousness self further. Mm -hmm. And uh, what is different a little bit here has to do with these three anchors becoming connected and um, you know, that they can start uh, moving and dancing with each other. Mm -hmm. You know, that is where we have the experience of being whole. And when I'm in an experience of being whole, I can relate from that place with another. Yes. You know, so this is then essential in how I bring relationship into my life, how I sustain relationship in my life, which always stems from the listening to myself and being connected within, from which I then speak and make requests or make declines or make offers, you know, mm 
-hmm. No right. matter, but if it's in the kitchen cooking together or in the bedroom. Uh, and uh, so when I work with women, it's really about getting further clear what the woman wants. Sometimes that is even can be difficult. Yes. You because know? we have so much programming of what we are supposed to want. Yes. 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 Oh, Dr. Elspeth, you have given us so many wonderful things, and we could go on and on and on. I would love to, but we can't. <laughs> so thank you so very much. Um, how can people learn more about you? Yeah, I want to share with everybody that I actually have a gift for you. Uh, I'm so delighted that you made that possible, Michelle. Uh, because I thought what we are opening up here, that when you leave this conversation, so that you have something tangible that you actually can bring into your life beyond the practice that we have done today. And the gift is a video download, um, which is called Awaken to Your Feminine Essence, where you can learn further practices to make this more part of your life, how to access your feminine essence, your creative energy, and start moving this through your body, through your being. So that is one way for you to learn more about what we shared, what I shared today. And then also, if you want to look me up at chantranova.com, T-A-N-T-R-A-N-O-V-A, like supernova, chantranova.com, you can browse and you can go also to the page of my women's workshop where you can learn more about it and feel free to contact me by email you can find that on the website that's wonderful thank you very much dr elspeth and we've also uh your book that you wrote is sexual enlightenment how to create lasting fulfillment in life love and intimacy which can be um found on amazon and thank you so much i really appreciate this time that we've had visiting and um, we will say goodbye to our guests and come join us again next week for another surprise and wonderful guest. This is Michelle Nagel with Roar to Win, and I'll talk to you again. Bye. Thank you for joining us today as we learned happiness hacks, relationship tools, how to refuel our resilience batteries and perfect our roar. Resilience, optimism, accountability, and resourcefulness. Roar to win! I'm Sandra Yancey, CEO and founder of eWomen Network. We invite you to listen to all of our EWN podcast hosts at EWNpodcastnetwork.com. This is the EWN Podcast Network.